0: In brands. Hi, it's Alan Adamson. I'll be talking with Brands on Brands about why building a brand is important and how you do it in a simple way that will help grow your business.
1: In a world where advertising is ignored, business is exposed, and the only constant is change. How do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands, a home for those who think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here's your host, Brandon Berkmeyer.
2: Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, your personal marketing coach. And I believe that building brands that matter is the only way for a business to thrive tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in each week as we bring you expert interviews about branding and marketing on Mondays. And Thursdays, we dive deeper on a solo topic for that day. And if you are new to the show, make sure to go to brandandbrands.com to get more of our content and resources for how to build your brand and take your business to that next level. Also, if you are interested in looking for some way to work with me directly on your marketing, whether it's building your first marketing strategy or building out your personal brand. I am working with a few select clients. You can always go to brandandbrands.com forward slash apply to check that out. Now, with no further ado, I do want to jump into today's show. We do have a guest. It is an interview day. That's what I'm excited to bring you today. It's Alan Adamson. Alan, if you guys don't know him, is a noted industry expert in all disciplines of branding and I don't often get to talk about branding, which I'll probably say a few times in today's show. Uh, That's how excited I am about it. Alan has authored a few books in this space. One was Brand Simple, also Brand Digital, also The Edge, 50 Tips from Brands That Lead, and then most recently, Shift Ahead, How the Best Companies Stay Relevant in a Fast-Changing World. Definitely worth picking up those books if you are interested in branding and those types of topics. Uh, He's worked with a broad spectrum of consumer and corporate industries, ranging from packaged goods, technology to healthcare, financial services. He's covered most of them. What is also worth noting is he's not someone that's just out there that worked in it and has thoughts about it. He actually applies and puts his thought leadership hat on. He's a sought after commentator on topics like branding. He's appeared on the NBC Today on NBC's Today Show, CNBC's Squawk Box, Closing Bell, Fox Business, and he's been quoted in publications you may have heard of, like New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Advertising Age, USA Today, The Washington Post, and Forbes. And actually, in Forbes, he also regularly writes a column on current branding topics. He's a frequent guest lecturer at New York University's Stern School of Business, the Samuel Curtis Johnson Graduate School of Management at Cornell University and the Harvard School of Continuing Education. He's a member of the American Management Association and speaks on branding for a range of professional organizations, corporate events, industry conferences, you name it. And that being said, I don't want to take too long to get to the meat of the show, but I did want you to have a little bit of background on our guest, Alan, because there's a lot of value that came in today's show. we not just talked about the basics of branding, but we dove into the problems companies are facing today and why they get stuck, why big companies like a Toys R Us or a Peloton are running into issues with their branding and those little nuggets of the story about what you can do in your business to change how you build your brand, how you think about building your community and how you tell your story is what we get into today. We do break it down for you entrepreneurs out there as well. We do get into some core lessons you can implement in your business right now to keep your eye on the ball and get started and not waste your time on the things that the competitors are out there doing but that will actually drive your business. So, lots of value for you today. Hope you can tell the excitement in my voice and let's get going. Check it out. Brandon Brands. All right, let's get going. Hey everyone, I'm excited to bring to you today's guest. He's a noted industry expert on branding, an author, a speaker, a guest lecturer owns his own branding firm. So many things, (laughs) so many things today that we got to get into. He's often quoted in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, regularly writes for Forbes, I should say. Please welcome everyone, Alan Adamson. Alan, first off, thank you for being here with me today.
0: Thank you for inviting me. And after that introduction, I think we should end it right now because yeah. it might all be downhill after this.
2: <laughs> well, the intros are the best part. <laughs> uh, the reason I'm excited to talk to you today, truly, is that we get to talk about branding, which, you know, a show called Brands on Brands on Brands should have some space to talk about branding and all the different elements of it. With a lot of my guests, we get very tactical about specific channels like a Facebook ad, an email marketing program. But with you, we get to discuss branding which to me is more big picture more strategic it can be important for, for business owners to hear some of this higher level big picture stuff so this is why i'm excited are you, you ready to go on this
0: ready to rock <laughs> all right and maybe rock and roll
2: yeah exactly well before i get into some of your backstory I, you know you've written four books uh, the last one being shift ahead how the best companies stay relevant in a fast changing world before we get into some of that i'd love to hear a little bit about how some of the these topics you've written About in your books, how do we set the stage for like branding? In other words, to you, what's the value of branding?
0: Yeah, I think you know before everyone jumps in as you just indicated and says, "Well, talks about what they need to do," and instantly gets sucked into tactics. And to me, to explain the value of branding, I try to break even the word branding down into two words. Please, brand is what you want to leave in someone's head. Your story, you know, that you taste great and are less filling. Whatever that story is, and You know, getting that story right is important, and branding is how you get it in someone's head, in your target market's head. It could be your advertising, it could be your social media, it could be your packaging, it could be word of mouth, it could be you know a thousand things to get your idea. It could be a pop up store, and most people just focus on the tactics, without paying attention that if you don't connect those two, brand your story and branding together, and don't think about it as a symbiotic sort of match bag and shoes, <laughs> you get into trouble because you can, you can be searching for execution. And that's what, you know, you see that a lot on the Super Bowl. Lots of people are running ads and they're funny. And did you see the one about, you know, the, the guy eating 400 pounds of pizza in an hour? And people remember the story, but remember, the, remember the, the commercial, often don't remember the name of the product, and even less often remember that, you know, that beer tastes better because it's made different. They never connect to the story. They get so hung up on, we got to get breakthrough and get people to notice us, that they lose the plot of connecting the branding to the brand. So the theory is easy. It's hard to do that.
2: Yeah. And it is difficult to do that. And the storytelling piece, I think a lot of people, there's, there's, there's a lot of books out there about how to tell a good story, but I still feel like we lose that piece of it and we start to focus on the imagery or the logo or the website. And let's hear like, why is that story so important? Why is that the piece that is what's going to bring the consumers to your business.
0: Yeah. And ultimately, that's the harder piece. It, it may seem counterintuitive. I'll, t- I'll tell the quick story when I was in the advertising business many, many years ago, and I was working on a product. And if you ask a product manager or someone making, you know, tell me about your product, they will spend hours saying it does this and it does this and it's made from natural beans. And they'll give you, you know, 10 great reasons as to what their product does and how it looks and why it makes you feel better. And uh, so I was new to the ad agency and I sat down with a client and they, they told me all about why their coffee was the best tasting coffee and all the reasons and its price and where it was available and the three sizes. And, and I wrote this all up in a lovely you know email describing all the benefits of this coffee and why. So if you were locked in a room with this person, this is what they would tell you in an hour. And I took it up to my creative director and I said, well, we've got the brief from the client. And I handed her three pages of nicely outlined all the benefits of this coffee. And she looks at me and says, oh, that's really, I'm glad you did all that nice work. And she ripped off the corner of one of the pages and handed me back a piece of paper with about an inch by inch. And she said, when you can figure out everything you want to say about your coffee and fit it on this little scrap of paper, come back to my office. Otherwise don't ever come in here. And that's a, so part of the challenge is as we start on this is if you're telling a story, you have to get it simple. <laughs> uh, and so the first part of telling a story is so what do you want if you could only tell somebody, you know, two sentences as the elevator door was closing, what would you say about your product? And more often than not, it's not that it's tastes great or that it's made naturally or that it costs ninety-nine cents. You know, you have to think that through and that's hard because it's often Listing the attributes is not a good story.
2: Right. And I've heard it said that, you know, like I, you should find, you know, the talk about who it's for and the transformation that, that this thing is going to create. But is, can you do that for every product?
0: No, it, it may not be transformation, but you certainly need to focus on. Yeah. You ask another question you ask clients, of, you know, who, who are you targeting? Everybody. You know, this product works for my grandmother. This works for my uncle. My cousin, Bob, uses it because everyone wants to sell as much as they can. but. You know, if you appeal to everybody, you, you really connect with nobody. So the, the first exercise in storytelling is saying, if I've got to define the story for one person or really tight, my target is women 18 to 49. You know, might as well, might as well say everybody. Because, right. You know, so that's even the targeting is a, is a hard thing to do. So I don't want to minimize it, but try to pretend you're telling your story about your product or service to one person who you think is most likely to like it. Other people might buy it, but if you don't make it sharp and focused, you don't have a story. And then try to figure out not just, it's sort of like a resume, interviewing lots of people. And when they come in and they just list everything in their sequentially, you know, in high school, I did this. And in college, I, you know, went to this frat party. And they're all interesting points. But after they've spent 15 minutes running through all the reasons and their whole life journey, I don't know who they are, or nor do I know why I should potentially hire them. <laughs> and the same is true for a problem.
2: Yeah, I, exactly. I think a lot of the time, I love that you bring up the human element, the human element which is, you know, we, sometimes when we think of, of marketing, we forget that we're talking to humans. And, you know, the simple thing of even an email can become a newsletter, which suddenly takes out any human way of, of talking to someone, one-on-one one right. to one. So I love that you bring that up. I think it's way more effective to think about how do we communicate to individuals, there are a lot of companies doing that, and it still becomes this sea of sameness out there. It's hard to, still, it's hard to stand out. It's hard to do something different because you're not usually innovating a category. You're usually entering something. Most of us, we're starting from a business that is around. So how do you stand out and, and be different?
0: Yeah, I think you need to sort of break down your story. And I like to help by saying, you can talk about what you do. We make the best tasting ice cream. <laughs> You could talk about how you do it. You know, we use natural ingredients and freeze it faster. You could talk about why you do it, which is we believe ice cream is going to change the world and make you happier. Or you could talk about who you are, that I'm the best ice cream maker. I've been studying ice cream forever, and I'm an expert. But if you try to talk about all of those, you fail. And often, if you start with just what we sell ice cream that tastes good and how we buy the best ingredients... You know, those are easy to copy <laughs> and somewhat generic, you know, because everyone wants to tell you they have the best beer, best water, best, you know, uh, resume writing service, you know. Right. But what you got to do is, you know, so there's more differentiation in, you know, who you are. And it's really hard to do the why thing because everyone now is trying to say, oh, I want to change the world. And, you know, if you get that promise, it's harder to activate it but it's more ownable and more different. Right.
2: So that differentiation could end up coming from, you know, more like, how do you actually end up delivering on your products? Like, how are you interacting with your customers? It's almost like your reputation becomes your differentiation. But I like that you have to define a little bit of something to go into Like, what's the thing we're going to be known for? What's the thing we're going to stand for? Right.
0: And I think, you know, a big part of, yes, Apple, many people talk about Apple, but one of the things I think that's driving Apple now is not that your screens are 14% brighter than Samsung screens or memory is better or their price is different. You know, it's usually never one thing, but when you have a tech problem in your life and you go to the Apple store, you can actually talk to Mr. Apple at the Genius Bar. And those people are getting better and better trained to make that experience different. And I think that's going to make the next cell phone manufacturer really hard because you can match the product, but if you don't have someone there to explain it to you in a way that doesn't make you feel like an idiot. So I, I think companies should think about stories not only in terms of what do you make, And how do you make it? But who you are and what's your special sauce?
2: Yeah, I like that. I like that. Now, it it makes me think about there's a lot of like marketing has been around for a long time. Branding has been around now for a long time. Mm -hmm. So this isn't like a new thing that we're trying to figure out still. I mean, there's new technologies that come out, and new platforms. But why are there so many companies that still get it wrong that might maybe even see change coming and they need to adapt and they don't? Why is it so difficult? Why, why do we still get some of these things wrong? And we still see commercials like the Peloton one that just came out that had made some mistakes that rubbed people the wrong way. And that's happened a few times these past few years. Like, why, why is it, A, I guess I'm like bombarding you with questions here, but let's start with the bigger picture of like, why is it so hard to get it right?
0: Yeah. Why, do they, well, why is it so hard? It, so that's a perfect segue. Thanks for setting me up. You know, the theory of marketing is pretty easy. We just went through it in four minutes. You don't have to spend... Define who you're talking to, get a simple story, and then do something interesting and to bring it to life. But the execution is really hard. So, the Peloton thing is a good example. They have an interesting product, somewhat different. They brought the digital world and the physical world together. But when it came time to tell that story, they were in a bubble. And so, one of the things that I talk to clients about is if you hang out with people who see the world exactly like you and hire your best friends, and no one is scared to tell you that purple hats looks silly, then you're going to make mistakes like Peloton or Pepsi made with the uh, famous commercial. And especially in the world of fast matters, I'm sure three people at Peloton looked at it, probably three guys. Said <laughs> <So laughs> it was, was thinking, funny. Yep. <laughs> you know, and part of success today is having more than multiple perspectives, looking at the same thing through different lenses. And that's how you're successful in marketing overall. I think you need to have, a, a, my first book I talk about the best marketer needs to be more like Jerry Seinfeld and look at, you ever wonder why there's always one sock lost in the dryer? So look at the ordinary and find what's odd about it. And most of us stop doing that. And if you're in a tight organization where everyone does the same thing and goes to the same bars and watches the same TV shows and laughs at the same jokes, you're not going to see things with fresh eyes.
2: Yeah. And that first book's brand simple, right? That's If yeah. you want to check that yeah. out, they can still get that, I'm sure, on the Amazon store.
0: Uh, (laughs) But I think, yeah, so Peloton could have avoided that if they had four or five people looking in that who were different than the two people approving it. Right. And
2: it feels like it's a harder time to market in. I mean, there's like, whether, you know, the like everyone has their opinions, right? And I'm like, not trying to get into that part of it, but I feel like it's a harder time to market. There's more transparency and people are holding you more accountable for what you say, whereas some of these things would have probably gone by no one noticing like 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, one is one if there's now everything is transparent. And if they don't like something, I don't have to write a letter to the company, <laughs> an email saying, I really didn't like that Peloton ad. Now, you know, individual influencers have more social media power than the actual company. And so when you upset your core user base, who happen to be those women <laughs> depicted in the Peloton ad, you know, you're undermining your business and not just you've offended two people in Peoria.
2: Yeah, no, exactly.
0: And what's happening, why it's, why it's happening is because people need to move faster. The other reason I think it's happening is it is so hard to get noticed. It used to be that there were only a couple of people used to sit around the family room couch and there were a couple of TV shows. And now there's so much clutter out there and so much pressure to say, Hey, look at me. Marketers, if they just do ordinary things and don't push the envelope, they're invisible. No one pays attention to anything anymore. So. They are feeling pressure to try to find the edge and the limit. And if you're going to be rock climbing, you know you're going to fall sometimes. You may want to go with a guide or put some ropes on to prevent really ugly mistakes.
2: Yeah. Well, there's plenty of like great brands out there that have like boomed and then lost steam. And this makes me think of that because like is your company hanging on a string at some point because of mistakes like this? I don't think it is. I think this company no. is going to be fine. Yeah. But you wrote a whole book on something that t- that touches. This idea of companies kind of maybe not being able to change the course as, you know, as they see the market change, when do you think branding isn't enough?
0: Well, it's often not enough because if your basic product becomes irrelevant, in today's world, just saying, you know, buy one, get one free is not going to save it. And I think most companies or most businesses are struggling with the speed of change. Two things go on. When we looked at lots of, we looked at lots of companies and do research for the book, and there was no magic, do these three things and your business will last forever. But there were a long list of 10 things that if you do these 10 things, you're most likely going to fail. <laughs> so there's, you know, there were more things you could do to screw it up than easily succeed. It's sort of like living healthy.
2: That kind of feels like my marriage. I think there's, like, I can't, <laughs> there's not a list of things I can do right, but there's certainly a list of things that I can do wrong.
0: Yeah. If you want to live and be healthy, there are certain things you shouldn't eat. But you can't, you know, look online and say, what well, what three things can I do to become in great shape by tomorrow? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what those are. It's just hard to do. And so right. for lots of companies, they often wait till it's too long. People are just comfortable. They go into the office, sit down, they do what they did yesterday. They open some emails. You know, people are, there's an old TV show called Frasier. Most people are in Marty Crane's, which was the father's chair, you know, Lazy Bowl Lander because they just like. And people like that in business. They just do the same things. And they only change when all of a sudden, hey, no one's calling today. <laughs> no, one's buying, no one's in the store. It's empty. No, one, no, no, no online orders. What happened? And by the time sales drop, it's often too late. <laughs> yeah, most of the companies that don't turn around, by the time they started at Toys R Us or Radio Shack, the game was already over. They were out of money. <laughs> Two other people had eaten their lunch. And so part of it is not waiting. Until sales start dropping to start worrying about changing,
2: yeah, I've definitely seen that. I mean working with you know, ad agencies with big companies there's obviously there's a sense of we just we're trying to get this job done today. we want to do what's right for the business, but at the end of the day, you're also just trying to keep a job.
0: yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah you know we're risk averse. why would we you know why would we tell people that not to use our toothpaste because we have a better toothpaste? we make all our money on the old toothpaste you know it's it's really hard to do so Inertia, Marty Crane's chair, and waiting till the sky to fall before you act. Another one is a bit of arrogance. You know, there are some companies, and uh, we talked to the folks at BlackBerry who were there. Well, it was something that everyone thought was cool and used. Yeah. And there, when the only one people using it are in the Museum of Natural History. <laughs> and a big challenge there was that they just believed that anyone serious about business would need a keyboard. They would not use this little screen, this music player. So they were arrogant. They just looked at the iPhone and said, that's a joke. You know, no big, everyone at Goldman Sachs uses BlackBerry. Obama was using a BlackBerry, you know, and they just, you know, part of it is being less arrogant and being a little paranoid. The famous founder of Intel, one of the founders, Andy Grove, used to say, only the paranoid survive. And if you believe you're the best and what you did yesterday is going to work tomorrow, Those are two really high scores that says you won't be around
2: tomorrow. But I mean, it seems like the only way these days, if you're a a company that has stockholders and a big corporate system, it almost seems like your only option other than being like, you know, a technology like company that has all the best scientists or whatever. Hmm. The only way to stay ahead is to buy the companies that don't have all the (laughs) the walls put up. Like figuring out how you steer a ship that big when you have corporate stakeholders you know that don't want you to move and you, that you right. have to make a quarterly deliverable, how is that possible even?
0: Right. So, you just said on two more of <clears> the reasons companies, big and small, don't change. One is, lots of, I won't go through all the stories, <laughs> but in most times, what you're doing today is going to be more profitable than doing something different tomorrow. So the team that's out inventing a new way to distribute eyeglasses over the internet or the team at Barnes & Noble that's trying to figure out how to do online books is not going to be as profitable as a team selling books in the store that has been doing so part of the company challenge is that I'm going to take people that are making lots of money doing things one way and you know put it so short term profits you know that drives which is a reason that lots of entrepreneurial companies have leaders that can either buck Wall Street like Amazon (laughs) or you know have so much gas in a tank like Apple or Google that they can write big checks out and no one really cares they're still making so much money yeah you know, the other one besides short term is companies, the bigger they get, the more risk averse they have, even startups. You know, once you have that, you know, you're, you're, you don't. and so we found that in a lot of research that the P&G got in trouble a couple of years ago and the CEO knew they had to change and be more agile and people may not be buying razor blades the same way at Walmart tomorrow that they were doing yesterday. And the people coming in out of, out of school and their junior ranks said, no, we got to go direct to consumer. And, you know, we gotta, we got to be more fluid and agile. But the massive middle said, no, nah, let's test it. Let's evaluate it. We've had success with Gillette and Walmart this way for you. So they were unable to turn the aircraft carrier.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. I, I see it all the time now. It's like it almost pays to just move to a more innovative company to begin with. The I mean, when you hear that the average tenure of a CMO, I mean, last time I heard was like three years or something like that. It's, it's down a little bit now. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. And it's, it's no wonder. I mean, at this point, you're like, let me just get, at least try to keep this job for three years. <laughs> exactly. you know? Let's talk a little bit about, uh, I want to get into some of your backstory. But before that, I want to talk a little bit about this idea that keeps coming up for me, for especially for uh, growing businesses, this idea of like, where does content fit into their marketing? What role does community play in their marketing and in branding? I feel like that's where a lot of companies are starting to build their momentum these days. And the biggest topic is how do I create enough content for, you know, for this machine out there? What role do you think content, let's start with that first, plays in branding today?
0: Well, as you just indicated, you know, because you no longer have to interrupt somebody else's content to tell your story and you can't afford to interrupt the Super Bowl or, or uh, big movies and say, well, now let me tell you about my startup, you need to find an alternate way to talk to customers and creating your own content is a way to do it. Now, the big challenge, the theory is easy, but in a world where we're creating you know, billions of tons of content every hour, the, the problem that most small marketers run into is there's a belief that if I write it or if I say it and if I post a video, people will come. And to me, you know, having a web page and putting some information on it and a few blogs and a posting a little content on Instagram it's almost as bad as in the old days putting your phone number in a phone book. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, just because you say it doesn't mean it will come. So if you're going to play the content game and you have to play the content game, you know the challenge is how do you how do you do it differently? How do you do it better? do less? I'm not a believer. Lots of people produce a ton of content, and yes, that helps with search engine optimization. But you're, you're better off producing you know one simple sticky breakthrough idea than ten average things, and that's a, a, a a trend, it's better to do fewer things really well than lots of things averagely.
2: Yeah, I love that. I think that discovery gets lost. Like, how do we generate discovery of our product, to your point? If, they, if you build it, will they come? And I think it's less like a phone book, more even like you built a billboard in the middle of the desert.
0: Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> and people are all excited. Did you see how I spent three paragraphs talking about why, you know, my tuna fish is better than the other? <laughs> and yes, if you could, you know, take somebody, duct tape them to the computer. And, you know, force them to keep their eyes open. And, but in a world where people are just totally distracted, you got to assume your target market has as severe a case of ADD as I do. And so if they're not doing three things at once and paying attention to two of them, it's a, it's a very good day.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about like how marketing became like a passion for you. And because obviously you've been in it for a really long time. It's been a part of your life. You've written books on it, taken sabbaticals to write books on it. Mm-hmm. And not everyone would do that. Like, when did this become something that you were just like, were curious about and you wanted to learn more about? Like, how did you become like a student of the game?
0: One early on, I haven't talked about this in a long time. I realized that just because you had a great product or service didn't mean people would do anything. So junior year in college, I went overseas and uh, spent my junior semester in Europe. And I had the best semester. You know, it was roughly the same tuition uh, but I got to get a rail pass and go from Paris. to. I learned lots and all of the time I was in school, but that five months was phenomenal. When I got back to school, I couldn't, I said to the people who were running these international programs at the school, you know, heading to London and Amsterdam and Paris and so on, I said, how's the program doing? And they said, well, yeah, you know, we struggled to fill some of these programs up. I go, what? I said, why isn't everyone just taking one semester and doing this? And I, you know, I said, gee, what's going on? I looked at the way they were promoting the program and it was a boring little brochure and they didn't capture the energy of the experience. And so when you ask, when you ask students, are you thinking of going to a junior year? They say, nah, I'm going to stick around because I want to go to the football game and this fraternity's having a party on Tuesday. And, you know, they were comfortable in their Marty Crane chair. Right. And the, the small little department of international studies was doing a terrible job. I thought they had the greatest product ever, the same tuition costs. And you can, you know, be bopping around Europe and meeting friends, you know, going to museums. And I said, why aren't you telling this? So I got interested a little bit in marketing because I found a product that was so good and I couldn't believe people weren't jumping at it. Yeah, I love that. And I think a lot of people have good products and they're just going back to where we started the story, just couldn't tell that story or tell it in a compelling way. The other piece was I decided I wanted to be a filmmaker in college and I made bad films. And, you know, when I graduated, Spielberg didn't immediately fly me out to L.A. and
2: That's a shame.
0: Buy me the place in Malibu and uh, the convertible. And, you know, that didn't happen. And I realized that you have to be phenomenally more talented, lucky, and you have to be signing up to starve for a few years <laughs> until you get discovered. So I went back to business school and then I... Uh, came out of business school and advertising at that point, a firm called Ogilvy VMA, there, you know, made 30 second movies <laughs> called commercials. I didn't do the creative side, but it, it connected me to that world that allowed you to, and what I still love about the marketing world is you look at every company that's successful. And a lot of the time I say, wow, why didn't I think of that? What a clever way to get people to buy insurance or whatever it is. I love the process of creativity of, solving what I call nonlinear problems. If you say, what do you want in a podcast? You're going to have people give you that same answer. But thinking through what, what people really want is this and having the conviction to do it a little differently is still a fun process.
2: Yeah, I think I'm better at solving linear problems. Because <laughs> <laughs> some people need that too. Yeah. I think you were born in the wrong generation. If you were, if you were the Netflix generation, you might've made it as a filmmaker. You,
0: you yeah, had exactly. more, yeah. or a YouTuber. Certainly. There'd be enough money to, to say, hey, forget. Yeah, I don't know if you can take a take a lens cap off, or you know how to push the button, but here's half a million dollars, and we have uh, plenty of time to run your spot.
2: Go do it. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, you talk a lot about
2: branding and also, but like business innovation as well. From our entrepreneurs out there, I'd like to like take it a step down, for, not down, but a step to like a business that is like could use something they can do right now that's actionable, that's a core lesson they can implement in their business. What's something that they could do right now in that idea of building their brand or innovating or doing something that helps them stand out and get noticed?
0: Yeah, I, I think step one is to take a deep breath when somebody says the conventional way to do this is, this. So, you know, lots of people I'll tell this story, run their business. I'll give you a sports, bad sports. I play tennis badly, but when you're playing tennis badly, you know, one of the things you try to do, even if you're playing well, is you try to hit the ball where your person across the net is not. And you're really fixated on what your competitor is doing. A lot of people starting businesses, just look at what other people are doing and try to do the same thing. Success is not just copying what, what everyone else is doing. In golf is I'm bad at that too, but I'm less worried about what the person standing next to me, other than I don't want to hit him with a club or the ball. Uh, I'm more worried about the wind, what the course looks like. Try to mentally play golf. So when you're starting a business, don't just look at the other three friends who started the same business. You know, look beyond that. Try not to be fixated on your competitor uh, and try not to do what everyone else is doing. I, I think there's this major copycat mentality. Uh, when I was at Unilever as a brand manager, we used to sit down in the cafeteria and yeah, we'd talk about research on the customers, what they want. But more often than not that we'd say, hey, did you see what P&G did last week? Did you see? We were so fixated on what the other guy was doing. We were playing too much tennis. So for small businesses, I would say, Pay attention to what they're doing, but don't copy them. Don't run your business like you're a coach of a trying to coach. It's like coaching a seven year old soccer game. Everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone's saying you got to do Instagram, you got to do Snapchat. You know, sometimes marketers win by if everyone's running in one direction, you try something else. So maybe you do different packaging. Maybe you do a sample. You know, do an event where you create a sample. Lots of the innovative marketers today are, even though everyone says it's all digital maybe you start thinking about what do you do in addition to digital to get people to to notice you. And I think getting noticed in a relevant way is really hard. But do one thing really differently every quarter. And if it doesn't work, try another thing.
2: Yeah, I like that. I have a bit of a philosophical question. I'm going to save that. And you'll have to forgive me if, if it's not a fun one. But before that, I want to think about, okay, for the we're, we've talked about what to focus on, like, how, you know, don't focus on your competitors. Think about your customers mm-hmm. and what your business might need. What are some things that they can save for later that maybe some people do too soon?
0: I think they, the, the pressure is to run to branding, to run to execution and start doing things before they have their story tight. You know, Geico advertising is great, not because, yes, they have a clever way to, but because they came up with the idea, let's start with 15 minutes we will save you 15%. If they told you the farm was owned by Warren Buffett, which it is, and they also did motorcycle as well as RV. Yeah, they could tell you 50 things about Geico. But so as hard as it is, get your story simple, sticky. So if you told three friends about it, they would be able to repeat it and get it right and not have to read your brochure as to why I should buy your product. So it, it seems trite, but it's really, you know, this shorter and simpler and stickier your core ideas, you should buy our product because of X, the better everything else will be.
2: I love that. And then now the fire trucks are gone, which is all okay. good, which is good too. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's not a big deal. New York City. In New York City. Like, Unfortunately,
0: if you, see, if you see smoke coming up around me, then it's- then you should you write. Know, I should have listened to the, the <laughs>
2: sirens. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. It's actually not a big deal. <laughs> so the philosophical question I want to ask you, which is just, it, it's fun. It doesn't have to be the perfect answer. How would you imagine the world, you know, what if there were no brands? What does that mean to you? If there were no brands out there, what would be different?
0: To me, brands, when they're working great, are shortcuts. I look at two computers and I can't figure out the difference between which one I should buy. I was talking to somebody earlier about the what's going on in the mattress category, why it's hard to pick one mattress. And you look at them all the same. You, set, you, you bounce on them. They're all the same. They all have the same strength. Everything would be like agonizing decisions as to why I should... A good brand is a shortcut to, you know, so I can't take apart my MacBook to really decide if it's got the right processor. And, yeah, you know, I just buy into the Apple brand and I assume that the promise they make is one you're going to keep. So I think when brands are working great, they allow you to simplify the complex. When they don't help you do that, you can't tell the difference between one and the other and not working. And so when there's so many choices, we, lo- we live in a world where there are hundreds of choices every day from what sweater to buy to where to have dinner to, you know, what to watch on Netflix. <laughs> yes, I, I find it hard on Netflix. I mean, entertainment is hard to buy because yes, I look to Netflix and if they air a new series, I'm already inclined to try it. But I ultimately, even lots of programming I can watch on Amazon, Netflix, Hulu. Right. Networks. It's hard to figure out what to watch because except for Disney, there's not really a brand in entertainment that you can say, well, I, this is a Disney movie. I can sort of, even between Netflix shows, it's just because you like one, doesn't mean you're going to like the other. So I think content creation and entertainment is challenging because brands haven't, you, you still have to have somebody curated or a friend tell you you got to watch.
2: Yeah, it's too proliferated now. You used to have like the, the ABC, CBSs, or right, it
0: used to be NBC. HBO. We used to comment, say we're great at comedy and they had right. lots of examples, but it's really hard to shop you know, what to watch because you have to spend more time. You have to ask friends, look at how many thumbs up, Rotten Tomatoes, whatever. But if the whole world was like that, I think it'll be harder.
2: Yeah, and we, we at least have the advantage now we can do a lot of research. Right. Who wants to spend the time? If I, like, I'd like to just use something that I know I'm going to like without having to do all that extra work.
0: Right. With a lot of choices in life, sometimes you're often happier if you're on a Caribbean island and you only choice choices do you go in the ocean or, or, or lay on the beach. You know, those are two choices. Great. You know, if there are 20 choices, you could play tennis, you could do this. Well, I don't... I, Life is already stressful enough without choices. And if brands help, they make choices easier.
2: Yeah, I think we're making the argument for an arranged marriage. And I think the <laughs> less choices, the better at this point, which is why marriage rates are going down because of all the apps that you can just date. Too many choices.
0: Right, sorry. it'd be easier to swipe left or right than to, than to try to figure it out in yourself.
2: Yeah, exactly. No, I love that. Thanks for, thanks for humoring me on that answer. Actually, I think that's, I might have to keep that question in for a, a lot of the guests. I think that was, that was awesome. Let's talk about a little bit what you're excited about. What do you have going on right now in your business? What are you looking forward to this year? Well,
0: I'm doing um, a lot of work in nonprofits, trying to help great organizations get noticed. And it's is brutal for a nonprofit, no matter how good an organization's cause, it's still hard to get people to volunteer to help. So I'm, I'm finding it uh, rewarding because when we are successful in helping a nonprofit tell their story better, get their story out better, it's really enjoyable. So being able to uh, work on some big programs that are interesting for big companies, but also work on various nonprofits and even organizations that are a little sleepy, that have such a great product that have people going back to the story on the foreign international studies. There are lots of international study things that are out there that have great offers, great services, great experiences, but are just struggling to say, hey, look at this.
2: Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. I I also want to call out uh, your own company here. Uh, MetaForce is where you work with clients and bring people in. Can you tell us how they can find you, how people can interact with you?
0: Yeah, and the, you know, which we, we sort of position ourselves as, a, as special forces. We have a, a team that looks at problems from multiple angles, figures out what you need to do, and then another team that helps you do it brilliantly. Awesome. Before I let you go, we're wrapping
2: up towards the end here of the show. I want to pick your brain on one little thing, uh, and I hate using the word pick your brain. I think it's like, it drives people bananas. But let me ask: since you've been in this space for a while, you've written some books, you you know, you do some speaking. Personal branding has been something that's become, I think, popularized now. But the idea of developing your own reputation in your business, and you know, as someone who's been out there and had to do that, what do you think are some, some people that are looking to become a personal brand, who are looking to develop their reputation and maybe run a solo business? Do you have some advice for for people getting started doing that?
0: Great question. Again, the theory is easy. But most people, when they do their personal brand, will just list all the things they've done. Yeah, you know, I, I went to this school and I worked in this company and I did this. So try to ladder up, as they say, from what you've done to what you're really good at and don't say, well, I'm great at everything. I'm very good analytically, I'm creative, I'm a pleasure to work with. Um, yeah, you, know, you don't want to say, but pick one thing that, one or two things that you're really good at. Oh, and say, well, I love solving, creative conceptual problems because I like looking at it from multiple different directions. I'm always curious. I talk to people. You know, that's a more coherent story than I was good in math. I'm good in writing. So think of yourself as a product and get to a simple idea that defines you or that links you to, I'm sort of like Jerry Seinfeld. I can look at what other people see and see things they don't notice, which will help grow a business. I like it. I think your
2: golf analogy applies here too. Like, don't pay attention to what other people are doing. Be yourself.
0: Right. Because the best entrepreneur successes didn't, they, they say, you ever wonder why you have to go to a big hotel chain to spend the night in a city?
2: See, I thought your answer was going to be, you know, sit on an airplane wing and tel- take a selfie. Yeah. But apparently that's not a core strategy for personal branding. I, you know, I, I've been proven wrong.
0: <laughs> you never know. Everything's <laughs> better. Anything's better than the traditional approach. Try something <laughs> different. And then don't stick with it. If it's not working for four years, maybe say, well, gee, maybe it wasn't right. Yeah. Don't be arrogant.
2: <laughs> I think we're going to end it there. I, I just want to hand a big thank you out to our guest, Alan Adamson, today. Thanks for coming on the show, man. It's been inspiring. I'm sure the audience got a lot out of it. I appreciate you. Where can people find you on, where are you active on social media, whatever it might be?
0: i spend a fair amount of time on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and, uh, and Twitter. Or they could even send me an email by going away. <laughs> I occasionally read snail mail. So uh, get in touch. Let me know what you're up to. And uh, always happy to chat.
2: Awesome. And if you haven't checked out the book, Shift Ahead, How the Best Companies Stay Relevant in a Fast-Changing World, check it out. A lot of the topics we covered today are in that book. But in more detail, you can actually go through it, learn from it, and apply it to your business. That's it for us. Thanks again, Alan. I'm going to let you go. But have a great day. And I uh, appreciate you coming on the show today.